Greetings, my fellow female sovereign thinkers. Thank you for tuning in to L3 Podcast. My name is Craig, transmitting from the beautiful realms of planet Earth. Today's date is Saturday, January 8th, 2022. And it's episode 1470, entitled Get the Courts Out of Science. Before I continue, you can listen to me on Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Castbox, Deezer, Podcast Addict, Pod Chaser, Jail Sovereign, Anchor, Breaker, Podbean, Reason, Radio Public, and Stitcher. Hit that like button and share it everywhere. Plus, on my multiple social media sites, just type in Loki Luck number three or three eyes, which represents Roman numeral three. In addition, you can find me on Telegram. Just type in Loki Luck Roman numeral three podcast. If you want to donate, go to PayPal.me or cash that at forward slash Loki Luck number three. Well, I'm not going to do a rant here, but it's going to be a little bit interesting in what's going on. It's a reference to the so-called Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court. And, um, of course, everyone has this, like, a lot of them has this fetish on judicial supremacy. Pray for the U.S. Supreme Court to get justice done for everybody. And it really dawns on me when folks have to realize they, they have a certain um, obligations on, on, in their U.S. Constitution. It's supposed to be the weak link. It's supposed to interpret what the Constitution has to say not powerful than everybody else. So the whole thing is mainly a viewpoint or an opinion, what other constitutional lawyers will say. So this one here came out from Brownstone Institute. I'd like to thank some people that shared this out there with me and said, hey, check it out. It's entitled, Get the Courts Out of Science. That's what Jeffrey A. Tucker has said. It came out yesterday. So it mainly focused on law, public health, and vaccines. As it reads here, the morning I listened to the oral arguments in the case of the Biden administration's vaccine mandates as enforced by OSHA, it was demor- a demoralizing experience. I heard some crazy things, such as claimed that 750 million Americans just got COVID yesterday and that 100,000 kids with COVID are in the hospital, many on ventilators. The correct number is 3,300 with positive tests but not necessarily suffering from COVID. I further heard strong claims that the vaccines block disease spread despite every bit of evidence to the contrary. It was my first time hearing oral arguments in the Supreme Court. I might have thought that facts on the ground would actually matter to people who are holding the fate of human liberty in their hands. I might have thought that they would be getting their information from somewhere other than their political institution, mixed with wildly inaccurate claims from bloggers and media pundits. I was wrong. And that is deeply alarming. Or maybe it is time, or maybe it is a wake-up call to all of us. We have learned today that these people are no smarter than our neighbors, no more qualified to address complicated questions than our friends and arguably far less informed than the Twitter's fear about the basic issues of COVID and public health. The backdrop of today's argument is that 74% of Americans of all ages have had at least one shot. Meanwhile, cases, case numbers are up 500% in many places and 721,000 new cases have been logged throughout the country. And obviously a large underestimated because it does not count at home tests 
which are selling out in stores around the country. The extremely obvious point, the most basic observation one can make about this data, is that the vaccinations are not controlling the spread. There has been granted already by the CDC and every other authority. No matter what people say in retrospect, I seriously doubt that anyone would have predicted a future in which the pandemic's highs would be reached following mass vaccination. It's only true in the U.S., but also all over the world. However much they helped with mitigating severe outcomes of a disease, at least for a time, they have not been successful in stopping the spread of the virus. They will not end the pandemic. And yet, so far, I can understand this. That is, is the whole point of the vaccine mandate, is to protect workers from getting COVID. There is no zero evidence that is possible with mass mandates in the workforce. People can't get, are getting COVID anywhere and, and anywhere and everywhere, amongst, among which surely means that work, the workplace too. The vaccine is not stopping that. What will bring this pandemic to an end will not be the vaccines, but the adoption of human immune systems exposed and then developing resilience. Apparently, there was not one mention of natural immunity during the oral, oral arguments, which is truly outstanding. From what I could hear, there was a strangely truncated environment in which no one was willing to say certain obvious truths, almost as if a preset or doxity had been defined at the outset. There were certain givens that simply were not questioned, namely that this is a disease without precedent, that the state can stop it, that vaccines are the best ticket we have, that the unvaccinated have absolutely no good reason to remain that way, to be sure the oral arguments are not what decides a case. The brief file for the court are much better on the side of opposing the mandates, while the briefs for the mandates are filled with untruths that are easily explo exploded. In the end, it is very likely that the mandate will be struck down in a 6-3 to three vote. I'm glad for that. We should be relieved. However, we need to do some serious thinking about what is going on here. We are talking about a mandate that profoundly affects the health and well-being of millions of people. The question of whether someone should take the vaccine is bound up with extreme, complex, empirical questions. And opinions run in every direction from those who think it is the great gift of modern science to those who think the vaccines themselves are not only dangerous, but are also unleashing ever more variants. These are matters of science and should be subject to debate with the final choices made by individuals. What absolutely cannot happen in any free, civilized, and stable country is to have such fundamental questions of liberty and bodily autonomy adjudicated by a panel of lawyers who have limited curiosity in the science, a lack of knowledge of facts on the ground that are available to anyone who cares who get their basic facts about a pandemic from TV talk shows and a prevailing media ethos that has no basis in reality. How do we, we end up here? We need the answers to this question. Certain issues should absolutely off limits to the counts.
those issues pertaining to fundamental questions concerning science and its application to human health. All of those, all of all things that needed to be outside the realm of politics and the courts, it is these. The courts lack the competence. Even if the decision goes the right way, there is no real basis for feeling relieved and secure about our future. Liberty can win this one, this one, and lose the next one. It all depends on the court appointments. This is not how a social order can operate. We need a system in which foundation, foundational issues of health, science, and liberty are outside the scope of the court system. I wish I knew how to get there. We have been on a very long tra trajectory in which government exercises ever more control over our lives, inch by inch for a better part of a century. We've come to the point where this control is a severe threat to our capacity to live free and dignified lives without being subject to the arbitrary whims of experts with power. The courts have not have excuse me, courts have been too equivalent for too long. If we had a really functioning court system and a constitution that it followed, the forced closures of March 2020 would have been struck down in hours and ruled out as incompatible with freedom itself. My highest point is that the majority opinion here, if it goes the right way, will, be not, will not be narrow and evasive, picking apart the mandate based on technicalities, but sweeping and fundamental. It should say in no uncertain terms that this mandate should have never been an issue and that the court should never have to intervene in such matters in the future. Freedom requires at least the presumption that businesses and all institutions can operate without acting as proxies for the federal health police, pushing injections on their workers against their will, and that workers have the right to determine that medicines they will and will not take. The very existence of this case is the Supreme Court revealed that something is fundamentally broken about our presumptions about the relationship between the individual and the state. It must be fixed. It won't finally be fixed by a court, but rather a dramatic cultural change that embraces certain fundamental propositions about liberty itself. We've played too many games and taken too many risks for too long. Let us hope that this case awakens a culture and a world to a desperate need for dramatic reform. Human rights and public health are too important to be left in the hands of high courts. He may just let you know, folks, know he is the president of the Brownstone Institute. And one of the areas I always tell people out there is that this is a very dangerous game called federal overreach. This has been used multiple times within these United States. And we can hit one good example. When you study history of the um, Alien Sedition Act, as an example of that particular subject. And during that time, around 1798, Jefferson and Madison respectfully did combined their views and created both Kentucky and Virginia resolutions, which got passed in 1798. So um, those are the areas 
And I know you hear some people in the background there, motorcycles and all that. And it's interesting about these resolutions. This is from Monticello, the Jefferson Monticello. And it says here about the Kentucky and Virginia resolutions, initially drafted by Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson and James Madison, respectively, was issued by the Kentucky and Virginia legislators in response to the Federal and Alien Seditions Act of 1798. The resolution declared that the several states are united by compact under the Constitution, that the Constitution limits federal authority to certain enumerated powers, that congressional acts exceeding those powers are infractions of the Constitution, and that each state has a right and duty to determine the constitutionality of federal laws and prevent application of unconstitutional federal laws in its own territory. So there's a Tenth Amendment um, um, move, nullification, and anti-commandeering doctrine. And uh, I'm not going to go too crazy on this, but it has been successful on this matter. And um, one thing I could say is very good. So those particular states got everything on its face. And even, even every state in the union can say no. You, you can do all these F confounded mandates. We don't have to enforce it. And this is why you look at the any commandeering doctrine, which I, I talked about this a while back, like last year. Mike Meharvey wrote it about federal overreach. And it's like it says right here about the Federal Six Papers 46. And as a quote, should an unwarrantable measure of the federal government be unpopular in particular states, which would seldom fail to be that to be the case, or even a warrantable measure be so, which may sometimes be the case, the means of opposition to it are powerful and at hand. The discreditude of the people, their repugnance, and perhaps refusal to cooperate with officers of the union, the frowns of the executive magistrate, magistrate of the state, the embarrassment created by the legislative devices, which would add it be on the occasion. So there's, um, so there's a lot of stuff in here you can look at. There's emphasis. So I'm going to continue on here. Hold on. Occasions would oppose any state very serious impediments and where the sentiments of several adjoining states happen to be in the Union would present obstructions with the, which the federal government would hardly be willing to encounter, unquote. So as I am a Terry Dockrin, I'll just hit the first sentence here. I said, like, um, any commandeering doctrine is a long-standing Supreme Court doctrine. In a nutshell, the any commandeering doctrine prohibits the federal government from commandeering state personnel or resources for federal purposes. And I'll just do one more here, second, second paragraph. In, a, um, in effect, the federal government is constitutionally prohibited from requiring states to use their personnel or resources to enforce federal laws or implement federal programs. State and local governments cannot di directly block federal agents from enforcing federal laws or implementing federal programs, but they don't have to cooperate with the feds in any way. For instance, a local sheriff cannot block ATF agents from enforcing a federal gun law, but the ATF cannot force sheriff's offices to participate in the enforcement himself. And here's a, here's like a couple of cases. I'm not going to go read every one, but um, I will put all this in my footnotes. There's one here about Prig versus Pennsylvania in 1842. 
New York versus the United States in 1992. Of course, Prince versus the United States. That's in reference to the Brady gun, the Brady, the Brady, La, the Brady Act. That was in 1997. And of course, independent business versus celibus in 2012. Murphy versus NCAA in 2018. And um, it goes a little bit. I'm saying it's pretty. It does work. Yeah, it can. It does. It does can work. So. Um, you can see what is really going on. So I would definitely, um, the state's got that power. They can do all the mandates they want, but you know what? They got to get the state local governments to get involved. Of course, we could do Tenth Amendment resolutions, Tenth Amendment style actions as well, because it's considered an invalid contract. So um, we don't have to really need a U.S. Supreme Court. We got all these other elements that can be used within each state in the union. Well, as far as I'm concerned, the whole thing of doing these mandates under OSHA on those conditions is void with no force. What's your intake, my friends? You let me know, all right? Well, that will be it. I want to thank everyone for listening. Plus, feel free to download and share throughout your social media networks. If you have any questions, comments, or something that's interesting you want to check out, whatever you do, please send your correspondence to the quorum. Furthermore, I'll leave the footnotes of these articles in my episode. You want to contact me, go to LokiLuckNumbers03 at ProtonMail.com. Donate. You can hit me at PayPal.me or Cash.app forward slash LokiLuckNumber3. And if you want to do your donation for the Brownstone Institute, that would be very cool. And, hey, do the same thing with the, the, um, Jefferson Monticello, if you want, and uh, the Tenth Amendment Center, okay? Once again, thank you for your time. Plus, always remember that the maniac resistance is healthy for the soul and can liberate humanity. Until next time, take care of yourselves. Keep on spreading the love, and may your guardian spirits be with you.